Welcome to Roman's Road, the podcast of me, Eddie Roman. This is where we talk about evangelism and apologetics and all kinds of Christian stuff. Hey, this is part two of our interview with Joseph. Part one, you can find on the podcast app, the episode before this one you're listening to, and the title of that episode is Alcohol versus Joseph. Now, in my conversation with Joseph, he talked a lot about his struggle with alcohol. We got into the issue of Alcoholics Anonymous, also known as AA. So if you've ever had questions about that organization, what they teach, is that compatible with Christianity? There's actually a lot of good information in that podcast. So you want to check that out if that's something you're interested in. After talking about AA, Joseph seemed to have the repentance part right, but I still didn't know if he was a Christian. You will run into people who have turned from some kind of sin. So maybe, you know, in Joseph's case, he used to be an alcoholic, and now he's not. He managed to get past that sin. He understands that it was wrong. He understands that it was a sin. He believes in God. Um, and he stopped doing that. And you'll, you'll run into people who have stopped whatever sin they used to be involved in, but they've never actually trusted in Jesus Christ as the sacrificed payment for their sin. You know, and that's a big deal. People don't get to heaven simply because they stop being bad. Now, obviously, that's impossible, but in a lot of people's minds, they might think, well, if I don't do this bad thing anymore, now I'm good with God, therefore, he will let me into heaven. Without the finished work on the cross, the sacrifice for sin, um, applied to your account, in a sense, um, you won't go to heaven. We don't just need to, to stop being bad. We need to be completely righteous. And the only way that sinful human beings can be completely righteous is to have um, an alien righteous righteousness or a righteousness outside of yourself, not an alien-like space, but alien meaning not from yourself, from somewhere else. You must have someone else's righteousness applied to you. And the only righteousness that is, that is able to fulfill that is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Why is that? Well, what? well, there's no other human being in the world who is completely righteous. So, you know, and, it, and it's funny because in a sense this applies to people who believe, well, my mom and dad, they're Christians, and so God's just going to let me in, you know, based on their name. Well, no, your mom and dad... We're sinful, just like every other human being. The only person who was ever sin-free was Jesus Christ. And when he died on the cross and rose from the dead, he provided the way for you to become righteous by believing in him. And when, when that happens, he applies his righteousness to you. And that's the only way that you and I, as sinful human beings, can obtain the righteousness required to stand before a holy God and to enter heaven. That's the issue. So with Joseph, he showed me that, you know, he's he's repented from his alcohol. You know, it reminds me of First Thessalonians 1 9, where Paul is describing the people in the church, he's you know, the Thessalonian church that he's talking to, and he describes them as being per- people who turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. And that's just a example of repentance. That's what repentance looks like. Okay, it's not it's not just that you believe in God. Obviously, the Bible says the demons believe too. It's not just that you believe in God, but here Paul says these people turned to God from idols. Now, in the case of alcohol and drugs, those things are idols. They are idols in the sense that people trust in them to give them the feelings that they want, the hope that they want, you know, the, the, the ability to deal with their problems. Instead of going to God to deal with their problems, they replace God with the idol of alcohol and drugs, and that's now who they go to to deal with their problems, right? And so someone who turns from alcohol to believe in God and trust in God 
and now goes to God um, to deal with their problems. That's someone who is turned to God from idols. So again, that's First Thessalonians one one nine, great verse to describe repentance. Okay, so it's it's important to make that kind of thing clear when you're not really clear. So in Joseph's case, not only am I not so clear on that, but there's also a bit of a language barrier. You know, English is his second language. He's doing really good. He's actually giving me some really funny and good illustrations and like word pictures that I've never thought of before. But the thing that's just still not clear as I talk to him is whether or not he is a Christian, whether or not he's someone who's truly trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ, or if he's someone who just thinks that he's going to heaven because he quit drinking. So this is part two of the interview with Joseph. I don't like violence. I walk away from violence every time that I encounter some some people that you, it was exactly like me or worse. I walk away from violence. That's that's pretty wise. At the beginning of, of this conversation, actually before when you when you came up and uh, in, introduced yourself to me, you were talking about God, and you were saying that you you talked a little bit about the creation, and then you were saying that mankind messed up the teaching or the idea of God in some way. What do you mean by that? I think one of the problems that we have in society right now, many people in this world, they believe in religion. To me, be with God or speak with God or have a communication with God, it's a relationship. Uh, it's not a religion. I don't find any part in the Bible whatsoever that it mentioned that Jesus or God, he was talking or is talking about having a re- religion. Okay, now that is actually off because in the book of James chapter 1, at the end of the chapter, it says that true religion that's undefiled is to take care of orphans and widows. So, this idea that all religion is bad is just wrong. Now, I do understand the thought that man-made religion is is wrong, and and I will agree with that, but I always kind of cringe when I hear someone say, well, religion is bad, religion is wrong, because the Bible teaches the difference between true religion and false religion. So when someone says something like that, I just I just want to ask, what do you mean by that? You know, can you clarify what you mean by that? Because according to the Bible, there is a kind of religion that's okay, you know. Um, so I just want to help people to make that clear. He was talking to have a relationship with them. Let me let me just uh, make sure I understand you. So you're, what you're saying is. You pray to God, you communicate with God on a personal level, but you don't like religion. Now, when you, when you say the word religion, what do you mean by that? What, what's religion in your eyes? Well, you can tell real easy what's going on right now in the world. Everybody has different opinions if we come from different religions. And it's a big fight, and it's been a fight for a long time, for generations to generations, because different um, people from different types of life or, or backgrounds or whatever, they think that doing this and that, it will change the, the course of human race. I don't think it would do that ever because the only one that it can change everything is the creator himself. It's the one that created us. He has the recipe to me. He has the right recipe to change whatever. I hope can people see this in uh, sample or can understand this in sample. All right, Joseph's about to give a little uh, illustration of what he's talking about, but before he does, I just want to, to touch on the fact that the issue of all these different religions arguing with each other and fighting with each other, that is a very common thing that will come up. You know, I don't like religion because they all fight with each other or your religion is bad because it makes people fight with each other. This is actually a a very common atheist 
argument. You know, they'll throw out this uh, unproven fact that all wars in the world or most wars in the world are caused by religion, which is absolute, absolutely not true. There's actually a book out there called The Encyclopedia of Wars, and it is the, these, these two historians basically um, looked at all the wars throughout human history, and they just put, like, what started these wars, and religion is a very, very small percentage of what starts wars, and even within the category of religion, um, Christianity is very tiny, and even within that category, it is something having to do with a false representation of Christianity. So, you know, the, the, the claim that religion is bad because it starts wars is just false. And the idea that since all these different religions argue with each other, well, then they all must be wrong. Well, that's just silly. That's illogical, right? Jesus himself talked about Christians being persecuted for what they believe. So the fact that all these religions are opposed to each other and, and that these arguments happen, that's actually right in line with what Jesus taught, that you will be hated by others by what you believe. And in the, even in the Old Testament, we see all these different um, idol worshipers, and they hated the God of the Bible. you know, Or the God of the Bible commanded his people to go against those idols. So, so religions have been opposed to each other since the beginning, but that is not a sign that they're all wrong. That's just illogical. So when someone makes that claim, um, it, it just it just isn't true. Again, Jesus Himself, and all throughout the old the, the New Testament, you'll just see that the the different belief systems they're all opposed to each other, and and that's just part of how it is because the world hates the truth. If we was having um, one of those in front of the body, you know, like a zipper, a zipper, you know. If we could see how great God created our bodies, see, and open our chest like this, and see inside of us, inside of us, you will see how awesome God created us. He knew every detail that we need. He knew that we have a um, plumbing system. Yeah. We have a plumbing system in our bodies. We have a heater. You need to make sure you don't drink too much milk because you're going to mess up that plumbing system. <laughs> You'll have to uh, go back to episode one to understand that more. Uh, Joseph has a, a thing for milk. Uh, yeah, it's true, but let me put it this way. People don't know how great we are created, okay? We have a heater. We have electricity in our bodies. We have music. Uh, a DNA, it has music. The only thing that I, I know and I understand that we've been, we've been corrupting everything in our own system and we've been corrupting everything that we touch. Wow, that, that's, a, that's a really good observation, you know. We, we corrupt it all, all kinds of different ways, whether it's alcohol or, or just not using it right. You know what? The Bible actually talks about the fact that one of the ways that man knows that God exists is by looking at the creation, you know, and that would include the human body. So you're absolutely right. By looking at the way the body is, you know, that, that's not the kind of thing that could happen by accident. It's not a mistake. It's, it's from the mind of a, of a great, wonderful creator. The, the Bible actually says that through, through the things that are seen, meaning the creation, we can understand that God exists. We understand what he's like. Okay, so that is Romans uh, chapter 1 and 2, talks about the creation and the conscience pointing to God. And when people say things that are true, I like to agree with them. And if they say something that is a biblical principle, I like to agree with them and, you know, explain it a little more from the Bible. Now, one of the things that Joseph is touching on here, just the idea that everyone should believe in God based on the intricacy of God's creation. 
you know, he said, if you can um, unzip your chest and look at the organs and see how amazingly intricate it is, you would believe in God. And that is actually not true. It should be true. But in Romans chapter 1, it basically describes a world who have God's creation, God's evidence in, his, in, in our face, and yet the world continues to reject God, not having anything to do with, with evidence, what they see or not see, or how intricate things are. But the reason mankind rejects God is because of their sin. They don't want God to tell them what, they, what to do. So, yes, it is true that mankind should bow their knee to God because of how amazing everything is and, 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 and the fact that they know God exists, they see the evidence in front of their face. Um, that should be the way it is, but because of the sin of man, they reject it. You know, Whenever you're talking to someone, you need to remember the aspect of man's sin and the fact that sin blinds people from seeing the truth, okay? They don't it's it's not that they can't see it, it's that they don't want to see it. And so I'm going to I'm going to get into that with Joseph. But it also says that a lot of people what they do is they suppress that truth. They don't want to know that because they don't want God to tell them what to do. And so even though it's it's a very plain evidence like you said if we could unzip our chest and and look at our uh, l- look at the insides and see how intricate it is you know, that there's no question that, that God is amazing in the way he created. So, so one thing I'd, I'd like to ask you is, I, I understand what, you, what you're saying, that religion messes things up. Um, but the, the Bible actually says that pure religion is to take care of the widows and the orphans. So when the Bible talks about religion, it makes a distinction of true religion and false religion. So I'm sure you would agree that taking care of widows and taking care of orphan children, that's a good thing. But when we're talking about maybe the Pope wearing his big hat and all this gold and, and things like that, that's a totally different different thing. Don't so th- start me in that, brother, because I want to tell you something. You can tell me something. <laughs> I want to tell you something. What's that? A lot of people, they don't walk the talk. Simple as that. To- I totally agree. Give me some examples. Uh, one example is Trump. <laughs> now, does he claim to be a Christian? Yes. And that is one of the worst things can happen to anybody. When you don't walk the talk, it makes you a liar. And everybody can see it, can't they? Exactly. Okay, so he just mentioned the T word, Trump. And this word... <laughs> is probably one of the biggest side issues of evangelism conversations over the last, I don't know, at least one year, a couple years. But it is so easy as a Christian to get caught up in a political conversation while you're trying to do evangelism. So I am not opposed to political conversations. I have my strong opinions about politics and presidents and and all that. But when I am talking to someone about the gospel, I don't really try to get into a side issue. Politics is a very important issue. In 2020, now 2021, it is probably the main issue that is on people's minds. But the gospel is and always will be way more important than any political issue. Politics are important for our time on this earth. The gospel is important for all of eternity. There will be a day when nobody cares or thinks about Trump or Biden or the word Republican or the word Democrat because in five million years from now, in eternity, there's going to be more important, better issues on our mind. And so in the course of having a gospel conversation... There are certain subjects that I just stray away from quickly in order to stick to the gospel. Again, I'm not opposed to to politics at all, but in this conversation, my main goal is to get the gospel to Joseph. And so even though all these different issues are going to come up, I'm going to stick to that. 
And we've been seeing over the years a bunch of liars in so many ways. I used to be one myself, so I know where the liar, you can, well, I'm sorry my language. When I used to be in LA, I used to say to others when I was in the streets, you cannot butcher a butcher. You can't fool someone who's fooling you. Exactly. I'm sorry my language again. I forgive you. <laughs> Whoever is listening to this. But it's what's going on right now in society. There's so many liars right now that we see each other face to face. How old are you? I'm, um, let's see, I'm 54. Okay, 54, you probably have a lot more years to live. I hope so. <laughs> Me too. But if you were to die today and you were to find yourself standing before God and he was to ask you the, the, the question, Joseph, why should I let you into heaven? What would you have to say? I came back to you, sir because I was tired of the lies and everything. So please, please forgive me for all the mistakes that I was continuing doing in you and your space crap. Okay, that is actually a pretty good answer. You know, he didn't just uh, explain the gospel thoroughly, but he answered in a way that is rep- reminiscent of the tax collector in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18, you know? And, and um, I got it in front of me. I'll read it to you here. It says, Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted." Boy, I cannot tell you how many times I've asked someone that same question. You know, if you were to die today, why should God let you into heaven? And they've answered with some form of an explanation of how good they are. Well, God would let me into heaven because I used to be bad, but then now I'm good. Or God will let me into heaven because, you know, I go to church every week and I give to the poor. Giving to the poor, that's like number one on the, on the explanation list. <laughs> when you ask someone, why should I give to heaven? Why should, I, why should God let you into heaven? Well, because I give to the poor, and I do this and that. But Joseph here, he doesn't say any of that. He says, I ask God to forgive me. I want to ask God to forgive me. And that is way more in line with this parable of the tax collector. He's got the right attitude. So that's a very good sign, you know? It's, it's a great sign. You know what, Joseph? I like the fact that you gave a very humble answer. To ask God for forgiveness, that's, that's very important. I want to show you something because I'm a miracle God. Okay. So Joseph's getting up out of his chair, and he is... Oh, what he, okay, so he is showing me what looks like a, a, a pretty bad scar... In his back. Hey, this is one of the great things about street evangelism. You'd see wonderful things all the time. Is that a knife wound or a bullet wound or what is that? A 38 that I'm still holding in the back of my heart. I'm a miracle of the Lord. So you have a 38 caliber bullet still inside your body? Yes. Wow. You know what? I can honestly say I've never met anyone like you before. Because I don't think there's a whole lot of people walking around with a bullet in their back. How did that get there? I went in the middle of the fight between me and another guy that he was shooting um, another guy. So this was just a, a street fight? Yes. And I, I went in the middle to save the life of the other guy. That's wonderful. Did you save him? Uh, the first time, yes. The second time, no. Because the guy, as soon as he was having this 
second chance to shoot that person, he finally killed the guy. Wow, and so that, that was at the same time he shot you once, you got in the way, and then he kept going and he, and he killed this guy. Was this a friend of yours? He was a customer of mine that was uh, fixing his vehicle. Wow, and, and so just, just by looking at your eyes right now, I think that was a pretty big event that left a pretty big impression on the rest of your life. Is that right? I woke up from coma. Okay, just want to cut in here. Um, I've heard people say, you know, the reason I don't evangelize is because I really um, don't care about people. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's horrible, but I've, I've had people admit that. You know, it's, it's hard to care about people who you see as a worthless piece of scum. You know, you see these drunks out there and you think, why, does, why doesn't this guy get a job? Or why doesn't this guy get a life? Or like you pull up to the corner and there's a guy um, with this sign asking for food. And you're just thinking, why doesn't this person just do something instead of try to rip me off? You know, and we have all these negative things. I, I experience those same thoughts too. We have all these negative thoughts that go in our mind. And then when it comes to witnessing to unbelievers, then the thoughts are, you know, well, this guy's a Democrat. Like, why would I care about him? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, like Jonah. I don't want to go to Nineveh. That's where the bad people are. Why would I care about them? And it's very easy to have this mental resistance to wanting to help unbelievers. Um, and it's something that I think we all struggle with from time to time, it's easy for us to feel compassion on a little kid who is starving in Africa because we look at that kid and we think, this poor victim, this isn't his fault, let me help them. But then we see someone else who we look at and we say, well, this, is, this person is a victim of their own sin. Um, I don't really have the compassion to help them. And so it's very easy to be very jaded towards unbelievers and not want to evangelize. And maybe you're someone who's listening to this podcast and you don't evangelize. You're interested in it. You want to learn someday. You're interested in um, learning how. But just take a minute to ask yourself, is the reason I don't evangelize is because I really don't like unbelievers? Very hard question to, to deal with. But is that true? Like the reason you don't want to talk to unbelievers is because you don't like unbelievers and you don't want to be around unbelievers. You have no compassion for the lost. Let me tell you about a little, a little experience I had in my witnessing. When I first started witnessing to people, to strangers, I didn't do it because I felt compassion for the lost. Okay, not at all. That had nothing to do with it. I'm sure I sat in some sermons where someone told me I should have compassion for the lost, and I probably agreed with that, but I really didn't have any compassion. I didn't have really much feeling whatsoever towards the people that I was witnessing to. I just knew it was the right thing to do. I just knew that when Jesus gave his great commission and said to go out into all the world and preach the gospel, that he was not only talking to the people standing in front of him, but he was also talking to me as a Christian, as someone who is part of his church. He was talking to me. He was talking to his whole church. And as you read the Bible, you just see many places where it's, it's pretty clear that Christians are supposed to evangelize. So when I started going out into the street and talking to unbelievers, um, didn't have much compassion at all towards them. But as I listened to more and more stories of the, the stuff that people go through and how lost they are and what people have experienced, man, I could not help but gain compassion for the lost. This guy just told me a pretty crazy story about him watch him trying to save someone's life and getting shot and then watching that guy die right in front of his eyes. I cannot imagine going through that. I've had people tell me stories about their divorces and their parents leaving them and their spouse getting addicted to drugs and destroying their entire family and on and on and on and on. And so 
if you don't have compassion for the lost, I would just say, just start talking to them. Just start evangelizing. And when you start seeing the plight of the lost, things will change and God will give you a compassion for this messed up, going to hell world. God will give you compassion for the lost, you know? Um, can't guarantee that, but that's exactly what happened to me. And I spent three months in coma. When I woke up from coma, the doctors and everybody was getting ready to disconnect me from the instruments or the machines. They were ready to let you die. Exactly. And so you woke up, and I imagine they were surprised? The doctor, especially the doctor, was surprised to see me blinking in my eyes again. <laughs> now, was this um, before or during or after your time of, of being a drunk? All right, so I just used the word a drunk. You know, in part one, we talked about AA. And the thought in AA, one of them, is that being addicted to alcohol is not a sin. It's more of a sickness. And so the word alcoholic becomes more of a term, like a medical term. So-and-so is a leukemia patient. So-and-so is a COVID patient. So-and-so is an alcoholic. They, they, are, they are dealing with this medical issue kind of thing. And when I'm talking to people who are alcoholics, I just like to make sure that there's no hint of that. I like to use Bible terms. Now, I don't have to do that all the time, but I just want to make it clear to, to Joseph and, and make sure he agrees that getting drunk is a sin. I like to call things what they are. I started to be clean, and I started to realize that God is real. I started to see life different and everything different. I started to heal out of my addictions. So, so I imagine it just got you really serious really quick. Exactly. <laughs> wow, I, I hear a bullet in the back tends to do that, huh? Well, it had to happen something serious like it happens to me to understand. And I think in a way it, hap it can happen to anybody in different ways because it had to happen something really serious Sometimes so we can understand that God is real. Yeah, absolutely. Joseph, when I asked you about if you were to die and stand before God, you would ask him to forgive you. Did you know that there's a way that you can be sure before you die whether or not you're, you're forgiven? Did you know that? I think I do, yeah. And, and what would that way be? I believe that we have a merciful God that he really cares for each one of us. And he always has an open door for us in so many ways. And he's always waiting for us to reconcile with him, no matter who we are. We have a lovable God, a real lovable God. When you say God, are you talking about Jesus Christ? Talking about God and Jesus. Because in the word of the Lord, he says that the Son and the Father is one. And I believe with all my heart that it's real. Because I was dead. And God took me away from, from the moment that everybody had to go one day. And I believe that God gave me a second chance. And I can see it because sometimes it's hard for me to sleep on my left side. Because I still got the bullet. Wow, can you actually feel it in there? I actually feel it in the back of my heart in the, in the left side. Now, why didn't they take it out? Was it too dangerous for them to take out, so they just left it in there? Exactly. I was bleeding to death from the inside. Well, Joseph, I'm glad that that bullet didn't get you. I'm glad I met you here today. You, you've been a, a pleasure to talk to. What I'd like to do is just to explain to you really quickly how it is we can know that, that we're forgiven by God. What I'd like to do is just, is just take you through a very short gospel presentation, and maybe I'll do it in a way that's a little different than you might have heard before, and I just want to get your thoughts on it. This is, this is, for me, this is something that just makes it very clear, okay? So I'm going to ask you some questions, 
And then when all is said and done, I, I think you'll understand very clearly kind of where I was going. So, Joseph. Okay, so I have just basically asked him permission to uh, go through the good person test. And if you've listened to this podcast or if you've listened to any of Ray Comfort's material, you, you would have an idea what that is. There are times when I'm in a conversation and the conversation's kind of all over the place and I might be, you know, realizing that there's a lot of time gone by and I still haven't really gotten to um, just a clear gospel presentation. So, you know, I, I might just, just kind of throw that out there. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's this thing that I do where I ask people questions and can I do that with you? <laughs> You know, and I think a lot of times that people appreciate just the fact that um, explaining that I'm about to do something, I'm about to ask, start asking a bunch of questions. Not that I haven't been asking Joseph questions, but these questions are about to get very personal. And so a lot of times before I take a person through a bunch of questions pointing to the gospel, I will just preface it because what I don't want is for a person to start getting uncomfortable or start seeing me as someone who's just drilling them. And by telling them, this is what I'm about to do, I've just seen that it, it can just kind of help. I don't do it all the time, but it's definitely something, you know, that I that I'm find myself doing more and more with people, especially when, like I said, the, the conversation isn't really going exactly how I want it. So here we go. Would you consider yourself to be a good person? Not really. Still working in, in different areas in my life. I think the God starts something in my life, a big, a big job, and I still not finish it. I think and I believe that God gave me a second chance for a reason. That's why in the beginning of the whole conversation, my real serious thought is that we are in this world for a reason. A- absolutely i totally agree with you and if god give me a second chance he let me see for a second chance there's something that i was not doing right it's something that i need to get it right well joseph let me let me explain this to you this this might actually be the something that you're looking for so you said you don't consider yourself to be a good person joseph how many lies do you think you've told in your whole life how many what? Lies. Oh, my. I can make a big book. <laughs> How big would that book be? Oh, my. I think it would be not enough space in a library. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says all the books in the world could not contain all the good things that Jesus did. What you're saying is that all the books in the world couldn't contain all the lies that you've told. Is that correct? <laughs> exactly. All right. What do you call someone who, who tells lies? I think that most of all we need to do is repent. Right, but what, what do you call someone who, who tells lies? If I was to lie to you, you would say I'm a... I don't know how to put it, but it's, uh, the thing is real simple. Um, Jesus was mentioning in, in his work when he was preaching to the group of people. In so many ways he was try to teach other people not to be liars. And uh, one of the scriptures, uh, it was Judah. Judas? Judas. He was probably the biggest liar of all, all history. Exactly. So, so if, we've, if we've lied, that makes us a liar, right? Exactly. Okay, that took a while. <laughs> Sometimes you'll ask a simple question because you got your mind on the track of where you want to take the conversation and the person just they're thinking about something else. So you just, you just got to be got to be patient when people aren't like filling in the blank the way you want them to. You know, you just got to stick with them. Have you ever stolen anything? Several times. I'm not going to lie right now. I'm going to be truthful. Finally. <laughs> Thank you. What do you call someone who steals things? A thief. Okay. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Used God's name as a cuss word or to express disgust? Yes. I think you did it a couple times just during this conversation. It just kind of comes out, doesn't it? Right. Joseph, have you ever looked at a woman with lust? What do you mean? Like, 
Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Have you ever looked at pornography or looked at a woman and, and wanted to uh, have sex with her outside of marriage? Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? I think in the past, yes, I did. Yes. Okay. So Jesus, he said, you know you're not supposed to commit adultery, but I say to you, if you've ever looked at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery already in your heart. And then last question, have you ever hated someone or been angry at someone? Yes, I did. Okay. So another thing Jesus said was, you know you're not supposed to kill anyone, but I say to you, if you've hated your brother, you've committed murder already in your heart. So that's how high God's standard is. Exactly. So Joseph, I'm not judging you. I can't no, judge you. You, just, uh, you, you try to help me to be straight from now on and every day. And well, no, I'm, ju- I'm just, I yeah. Really okay, I'm just, I'm just helping you to think through this. Isn't that cool that he sees that? Because that's the goal. That's the goal. I'm just helping this man to see their sin, just to, to help them to if they haven't yet, to get right with God. So often we will be taking someone through the commandments, basically pointing out their sin in an attempt for them to realize their sin and get right with God. And people will just think that they're being attacked or just start getting angry at us for asking all these awkward questions. But if you're doing it in a way to where you're speaking to them calmly you're not like lording it over them you're not coming off as if you're better than them you're like the clean guy who's right with god and they're the dirty sinner who's just a piece of trash and you, you need to fix them if you're just listening to the person and showing them respect all the way through the conversation you can ask them the the, the hardest craziest questions and they will hopefully just see the fact that you're actually concerned about them and you're, you're trying to point them towards God. And that's what, that's what's happening with Joseph here. It's great. Based on what you've just told me, you're a liar and a thief and a blasphemer and an adulterer at heart and a murderer at heart. We've looked at five of God's 10 commandments and, and you're just like me, you've broken them all, right? If God was to, to judge you tonight, should he see you as someone who's innocent or should he see you as someone who's guilty of, of breaking his commandments I think it will see me like one of the liars so you'd be guilty yeah so if, if God is just what should he do with you should he should he send you to heaven or should he send you to hell well the word of God he says not not by the le- uh, deeps not by the things that we do that or we think or we believe that we're doing good and if we was not doing any good at all Come on, I don't know. Uh, it would be kind of difficult for us to believe that we're gonna be safe. So what you're saying is, is if it if it was if it was up to our good works, then we couldn't be saved. Yes. And I, I think you were trying to say it not by the deeds of the flesh, but but by His righteousness we are saved. Exactly. Okay. Well, that's good. You 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 definitely have have been reading your Bible. You understand that you're not a good person. You understand that that you're a liar. And you also understand that just based on that, you would deserve God's punishment. You would deserve to go to hell. Is that correct? Exactly. Why do you think you won't be going to hell? I think one of the best things if I'm going to do before anything else is to be real sincere and try to repent in the right way on the best honest way because I believe that God is watching us every day and is looking and it's making notes everything that we do every day. Do you know that God is so holy and perfect and righteous that he will not allow any sin into his presence? Does it concern you at all that if God was to, to judge you just by his commands and his words you would be guilty and, and you would end up in hell. Does that, does that concern you even just a little bit? Yes, it, it does. Okay, so whether or not Joseph is already a Christian, you know, because realistically there is the chance that he is a Christian, but he just has never been taught. He's never been discipled. He's not in a place where he can get good Bible teaching. 
which would be very hard to think of these days with when it's all over the radio and, and radio, the internet and podcasts and um, church. And, and, you know, there, there, there's no reason a person can't be taught and can't become mature as a Christian, but it still happens anyway. So there is still a chance that maybe Joseph is a Christian and he just doesn't know how to communicate well, and he's got some kind of issues that he he needs to be counseled through, or he's not a Christian. In either case, he just indicated that he is concerned that he might go to hell. And so whether he is a Christian and he just doesn't understand, or whether he's not a Christian, he's concerned about hell. So to me, that just means you need to keep talking to this guy. Joseph, do you know what God did for us? that even though we deserve to go to hell, because of something he did, he provided a way for us to be saved from the punishment we deserve. Do you know what he did? Well, he sent his, his son to sacrifice himself for us. But a lot of us liars like me, we don't take in consideration the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And most of the people, we don't respect that uh, and we don't believe it at all. We don't believe it, and we show that by our actions, right? Exactly. So, Joseph, let, let me, uh, I, I just want to, to clarify something here. You understand that you deserve to go to hell because of your sin, but you also understand that, that Jesus died on the cross to pay the sacrifice for our sin. I want to explain real quick just how that all works together. You and I are lawbreakers, Okay. We deserve to be punished by God. Our punishment is so severe before a holy God that we deserve to go to hell. Not because God is mean, not because his Bible's too strict, but it's because we're, we're evil, we're liars. Like you said, we deserve that, okay? God is righteous and holy, and he will not allow sin into his presence, but this same God is also merciful and compassionate. And because of his mercy, he provided a way for us to be saved from the punishment we deserve. You and I broke God's law. Jesus paid the fine. So when Jesus died on that cross, it's like as if a legal transaction was made. He paid the price for our sin. See, because of your sin, you should have been the one on that cross. You should have been the one that, that got the full wrath of God poured out on you for all eternity. But since God is merciful, Jesus took that punishment in your place when he died on the cross. A lot of people say, oh, I'm a Christian, but then they keep getting drunk or they keep living like as if God doesn't exist. I think one of the things that I did, quitting my addictions and my alcohol needs, because I used to wake up every morning with a lot of cravings about buying and getting whatever I needed, to suit the need of my body. It was exactly that. I was thinking, yes, to satisfy my body. But my spirit was so far from reality. Wow. And so far from God. Uh, it was no respect whatsoever for anything. No morality, no principles. And I grew up in the Christian home. It was one of the problems that I was dealing inside of me because I grew up in a Christian home. My uh, my father was the best friend of, of the pastor that we used to attend his church. Okay. And and he was uh, a teacher, my dad, also. And I grew up in a real Christian home, like I said, with morality, principles, and everything. And I lose those principles because of my attitude and my disobedience towards God. And I believe it with all my heart, it was the main reason. And uh, knowing the word of God, I was in disobedience. And I was uh, hurting myself and I was hurting others knowing the word of God. So I think when I change my attitude, when I change and I turn around and say, what are I doing? What I doing? If I were, I grew up in in this environment, I was different than the at the way that I am right now. So you repented. I repented. I went on my knees and asked for forgiveness. 
And I think one of the main problems that we have in society is that we don't want to repent. We don't want to say, I'm sorry, forgive me, God. I'm not doing it right. And uh, I was in that, in that type of shoes. No, that, that makes a lot of sense, Joseph. So would you say, in answer to the question, to if God was to ask you, why should I let you into heaven, would you say that the best answer would be because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross? Not because of what I did, but because of what Jesus did. Would you say that would be the right answer? I, I think so, yeah. I think. The Bible talks about, it. it's good to be clear on that, because the Bible talks about only Christ's death is a thing that pays a price for our sin, not his death plus our good works. Our good works are important. They're just evidence that we really do believe in God. We don't get to heaven by doing good works. We do good works because be we're going impossible. to heaven. It will be real and impossible. I've been doing a lot of good things in the last years, and I was, in the beginning, when I, before I started to do good things for other people, I was thinking, oh, this is gonna be save me. Uh uh-uh. uh. That's how you're going to get to heaven by your good things. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, when I do now uh, things for others, I don't think that way at all. I just let it pass and I said, if I can't help, I can help. If I cannot help, I cannot help. And that's it. But you understand that your salvation doesn't come from your good works, it comes from your faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, yes. Just like you said. Joseph, it's been a pleasure talking to you and I, I just really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you very much. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you. You know, so often we don't listen to unbelievers. We just kind of have our agenda of what it is we want to tell them. And without listening to them, we can miss out on a lot of opportunities to get specific and speak into the life of the person in front of you who's listening. So I would encourage you to just spend more time listening to people and pray. Pray for the people around you. Pray for the people who are in your area. Pray that God would give you more opportunities to share the gospel with the people around you in this lost and dying world. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Romans Road. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a good review on iTunes. This is the best way for others to notice Romans Road and give it a listen. The more Christians listening and learning how to evangelize, the more we glorify the Lord. Ray Comfort here. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, please take a moment to do so now. On your phone's podcast app, search for Romans Road, and when you find it, hit subscribe. It's free, and by doing so, you'll get all episodes past, present, and future. Then when you're finished, head over to livingwaters.com for a huge collection of evangelism videos, articles, tracks, and resources to help you share the gospel with those around you. That's livingwaters.com. Thanks for listening to Romans Road. If you want to learn how to evangelize, check out my book, Search and Rescue, available at eddyroman.com. On my website, you'll also find videos and other things to encourage you to preach the gospel to your friends and family. That's eddyroman.com. See you next time.